Craig, I'm the preaching pastor. You can see it's see right there. No, <laughs> I take that off for a minute so it's not distracting. But we are glad that you're with us uh, as we begin this Advent season. I, I love this this time of year as we're waiting for Christ's return. And I, I just want to remind you what you saw here. Didn't the Mathenanes do a great job with that? I love the kids involved. Yeah, just super. Um, but all around the world, people are lighting candles and, and beginning the celebration. In fact, for the Christian church, this is the beginning of the, of the year, the church year. So, Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Yeah, very good. Um, so, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, heaven on, on earth. Uh, and when you first read that, you kind of go, well, what's that all about? But I think it clears up a little bit as we look at our, um, our memory verse. For those, again, those of you who are new, with each uh, series, I generally have a memory verse to help us kind of learn that we go over uh, all the time. And this is going to be a little bit different because this is a part of the Lord's Prayer. And the problem with things like the Lord's Prayer is we become so familiar with them, we don't really stop and consider sometimes what they say. So we're just going to do the first two verses because that's where the powerful part of this is. Uh, so um, oh, hope is what we're going to talk about, by the way. <laughs> That's the, the, the theme. You've already seen that. So uh, uh, oh, did we miss one? Did I miss one? Memory verse. There it is. It was up there to begin with. Uh, let's say this together. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the key part, on earth as it is in heaven. That somehow we are praying for God's kingdom, God's way, God's rule to come from heaven and, and be amongst us. And, and we're involved in, in moving our world that way. That's why we do a lot of things that, that represent the kingdom of heaven more than the kingdom of this earth. It's why we're involved in compassionate ministries. It's why we're involved in caring for one another. We're, we're modeling ourselves. We're moving towards what the kingdom of heaven would look like on earth for us. And we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, in many ways, this is, is the most essential uh, of prayers for us. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what that looks like in the context of hope. There we go. I got a new clicker, and evidently, I'm not very good with it. <laughs> so um, hope is, is a part of, of the, the themes. There's hope, and then next week, we'll talk about peace, and then joy, and then love uh, on that. And, and hope, I think, is a particularly interesting one. And sometimes, uh, in some traditions, it's called the prophet's candle. Any of you heard that part of it? I, I think that's an interesting uh, connection in, in the, to the word hope because uh, prophet symbolizes anticipation, right? Prophets are speaking into what is to come and what is the, the, the future hold. And, and so uh, one of the essential roles of the prophet is to bring hope to God's people especially like when they were in exile and when things were going poorly uh, through all of that, the prophets would bring hope. And you heard that in the reading this morning. Uh, and so I want us to read that passage together. They did a great job with this, but I think there's something powerful about hearing you read or say these words of prophecy, this promise that is given to us through the prophet uh, Isaiah. So let's, uh, let's read this together. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to confront and provide for those who grieve in Zion, 
to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I I love that. Uh, You've heard me say to you, um, a lot of Old Testament theology is kind of pictorial. It's pictures of what what God is like or how God is moving. And you get all of these wonderful kinds of pictures. I love that first one. God has anointed me. He's commissioned me. He's given me a task and a mission and and, uh, a purpose that that Christ has in us. And then it kind of goes out and lays out all of those beautiful images. Uh, and, And a part of it that I love, one of them is to proclaim good news. Proclaim good news. Can I be honest with you? And I I don't like to pick on other people, but I am hearing from pulpits and especially from TV preachers a lot of preaching that isn't good news. Amen? You know, it's kind of filled with fear and and all of those sorts of things. And, And one of the things I keep reminding myself of is that at the end of the day, what we have is good news. To you and to all of, all of the world, that it's such a, a part of it is that we have this good news. Uh, and, and then I, at the end, it kind of gets to what we're going to talk about today. Instead of a spirit of despair, that, that image is like, you know, that's kind of that hopelessness, just deep in your spirit. Instead of that, you will get a garment of praise right? Yeah, that hope that he gives to you. You all, you all feel that like when you, I have seen some of your pictures on Facebook, so don't deny this. You get all dressed up for something, and it's like, ah, you know, and you're ready to go. You're ready to go do something. You're going to a party, or you're, there's something about that garment that just changes our, our outlook. I have a, a, a good friend who uh, he's, was a pastor for a long time, but one of the things he loved, in the, he was in a small rural church, and so they dressed up in that environment, and he said he always felt like he was putting on his like armor to do his job when he put a suit on because he didn't wear it any other time. It was a garment that, that, that changed his look in it. And so uh, a part of what Isaiah is talking about here is this transformation from hopelessness to hope in, in the world. And, and here's what I know about hope. Hope is the most powerful motivator the world has ever known. When you take someone who's hopeless and you give them hope, it changes everything about them, their outlook, their belief that something good can happen. You know, all of a sudden, it's like you have a new perspective uh, in that. And, and it's a powerful thing in the life of God's people. One of the things that amazes me is, is several times when Israel is in exile, and they're in exile for generations, and what sustains them is this hope that God is with them and that God is one day going to change things. And I, you, get, get your head around this for a minute, right? I, I do good if I can hope for a day or two without getting discouraged, right? But they're literally doing it for generations. Can you imagine being a second generation or third generation? You never even knew what it was like to be in, in, in the Holy Land and to be free. And, and, and your children are asking you about this slavery and about this situation and whatever, however that particular thing looks. And you say, but God has spoken that one day, one day there will be a different future. I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. I don't know if it'll happen in your time. But, but somewhere, your children or your grandchildren, somewhere God has spoken and he's going to move. And that gave them, great, gave them great hope as to what God was going to do in your life. It has the power to lift us out of despair and, and give us the energy to go to live into God's future for you. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say, God has a future for you. 
So here's what I know, though. This is both the good side and the bad side of this. We're going to make a little nuance here, okay? The power of hope is, is not that it changes our circumstances, but it changes us in our circumstances. Yeah. Can I be frank? I, I pray probably more than most people because that's part of my job. But I find that a lot of my prayers have to do with requests about my circumstances. Lord, if you could just do this, or if you could just take that away, or if you could just change that person, or you could just do this thing over here, Lord, I would really appreciate it. And I'm not against praying for that because he said to ask. (laughs) And you've all prayed those prayers, amen, you know. (laughs) And who knows, maybe at some point in your life you were on the receiving end of that prayer and sometimes. But here's the thing. What hope really does is change us in the midst of the circumstances. And the older I get, the longer I have walked with God, the more I see the power in this. And I find that very often God does not answer this prayer the way I think he should. Amen? Okay. But this one? This one he very often answers. It often changes me and changes my outlook or softens my heart or helps me to see something I didn't see and all of a sudden my perspective is different. And I have hope, not because my circumstances have changed, but because God has changed me and made me a new perspective on what's going on. So I just would say to you, what if whatever you're praying about these days, what if God wants to change you in the circumstances? And it's been my experience that often when he changes me in the circumstances, then the circumstances change. Which leads me logically to the conclusion that I was the problem, but we don't want to go there, so. (laughs) So, uh, one last thing that just amazes me in this. The Apostle Paul is is my hero when it comes to this concept. Uh, I don't remember where it was in my journey, but one day I I was kind of looking at the Apostle Paul and uh, his epistles while he's in prison, and I noticed this, something I hadn't seen ever before, and that was this. All of the time that he was a prisoner... He never prayed or never asked people to pray for his deliverance. He always asked that he would be better at proclaiming the gospel in his circumstances, you know? And that just makes me feel like, oh, man, if I can't get the special at Target, I'm like, Lord, if you could do something about this. And he's in prison, and he's not asking to be freed from it. He's asking to be better like Christ. So here's the question. What is hope, and how do we get it, right? Because hope sounds like a pretty good thing to have in our life. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, uh, is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, And this is just the most hopeful of of passages I think there is. I I love this passage. This is worth you memorizing in your life. This will encourage you spiritually if you memorize it. Uh, It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this a little bit. So the God of hope. Aren't you glad that our God is a God of hope? Whatever's going on in your life, our God is a God of hope. He wants to bring hope to you in in the midst of that. It's it's essential to his nature and what he's about, okay? Uh, We'll fill you with all joy and peace, okay? The fruit of hope is joy and peace. And in fact, as it turns out, during the Advent season, next Sunday we talk about peace, the Sunday after that we talk about joy, and the, third, the fourth Sunday we talk about love, which is the foundation for all of it, okay? Uh, as you trust in Him. So here's the secret sauce. Do you know how you get hope? You put your trust in God. 
That's how you get hope, okay? Uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which tells us that this isn't just something you can kind of work yourself up with or, you know, grit your teeth or, or go around pretending, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing, you know, that there's a spiritual part of this where, where God gives this to us uh, in a powerful uh, way. And so here's what I know. Hope is the evidence that we are trusting in God, right? So hope is we think, okay, I want to pursue hope. Well, actually what you need to do is trust God, and then hope is what comes out of that when you do it. So it's almost like a symptom, right? The symptom of trusting God is hope, which is way better than a toothache, amen? Okay, the symptom of a toothache is you got something wrong with your tooth, but the symptom of, 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 of hope is that, that you have trusted in, in God. Uh, and and I will, I'll just, you know, not to go too far off this personally, but I'll just say to you, I absolutely know that to be true. I learned that when I was sitting in the hospital with a cancer that was supposed to kill me. And there was a profound sense of God's working in my life, the spirit in that hospital bed. And the craziest thing happened, I had peace. And we're going to talk about that next week because that's a part of the overflow that happens in, in all of this. So here's the deal. Whatever you put your trust in, that is your hope. Whatever you say, okay, that, that's, this is what's going to get me through. This is what's going to handle it. Uh, it. It's kind of almost a gambler's term, right? You know, so a gambler uh, puts a bunch of money on a horse race, you know, and their hope rides on that horse. And if it comes through, it's like, woo And if it doesn't, it's like, oh, no, how do I tell my wife? You know, kind of a deal. Uh, and, and so hope is, is when you do that, when you put your trust in something else, it becomes more of a, of a problem. Uh, you can put your trust in all kinds of things other than God. That's one of the parts of free will. You can put your trust in people. I'd ask you to all raise your hands as to how many have ever been disappointed by somebody, but you might look at somebody and that wouldn't be good. Okay? We, we've all experienced that. We put our hope in a person and it didn't, didn't work out, or, or, or things, or, or a job. Finally got the job that I always wanted. What do you mean there's a downturn in the economy and you're laying me off? You can put your hope in in any number of things, in in education, in in money. Lots of people put put their hope in in money. And can I, let's just be frank about that. I'm going to just talk about me personally because I'm sure you all got this figured out. But I find it easier to trust God when my bank account is full. Don't like what that says about me. But I'm telling you, it's it's an important thing to acknowledge in our life because ultimately, money is not going to save me. Right? Right? We all, we all understand all of that. There's just all, all kinds of ways we can do that. And, and the difficulty is when we put our hope in the wrong thing, some other things begin to happen to us. Disappointment, despair, fear, and anger are signs that we put our hope in the wrong thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've done it a few times where I put my hope in the wrong thing. One of the ones I remember specifically about anger was when I was a teenager, I had um, a teenager's kind of car, right? It was an old Toyota, and it was broken down, and it didn't run very well, and uh, it, it, just, it was breaking down all the time and making me late to things and missing things and all of that. And I remember one time in particular, we lived up on this hill, I in Grays Hill, Grays Harbor, think of me Hill if you guys know where that's at. Um, and, and I was coming down and it died again, right? And, and there, was, there was kind of this place where if it had gone a little further, it would have been a cliff. And I remember thinking with all of my heart, if it had just gone a little further, I'd just push it over the cliff. 
because I was that angry. I was, you know, I was relying on this car, and, and, and that's kind of a, a trivial sort of thing. But, but I am here to tell you that when we put our hopes in the wrong things, there's going to be consequences. Just like when you put your hope in Christ, there's joy and there's peace. When you put it in the wrong things, we get these sorts of things. Because the truth is, and I've already said this, real hope comes from putting our trust in God. Amen. Read that with me. Real hope comes from putting our trust in God. Yes, I trust God. Most of you here again when I went through my time with that really serious cancer know that I kind of reduced my whole spiritual life to I trust God. It was my hashtag on things I would post everywhere. And to this day, it's still at the heart of that. The bottom line for my religion and for my faith in Christ is this. I trust God. Even if he doesn't give me what I want. And I remember the moment where I said, I will trust God to the grave. If this is going to end in a bad way, and that's what the doctors thought was going to happen, I will trust God to the very end. Because I know the end of the story. That although that might be the end of my earthly life, it's not the end of my story, and I would be welcomed into the presence of Christ. You see, that's why you have to trust in God for hope, because he's the only one that can give you a guarantee that is longer than all of your life something that lasts forever. So, let's ask this question. If God is so good, why is it so hard to trust in him? Don't look at me like you've never thought that before, okay? You know, we've all thought that. It's hard. Well, you know, you can't see him. You can't touch him. You can't take him to coffee and and ask him questions. I always thought it'd be great if we could get God on email, because I have a bunch of questions I'd like to ask him, right? Dear God, what about this and this and this? And and the difficulty with that is that that it's a way of saying, you know, I really trust me. I'll evaluate who I'm going to trust. Let's see. How's your resume? Oh, yeah, okay, you're pretty good. And ultimately, trusting God is an act and a step of faith. It's, it's more than what I can see and what I can touch. Because if I'm evaluating you, I'm still, I'm still trusting my evaluation of you, right? It's still about me in that sense. And trusting God is saying, I'm all in. <laughs> here, here we go. Even, even if I die, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you no matter what. So there's a, a different part of that. But there are some things that we can learn that help us with trusting God. Can I tell you one of the things that's been powerful in my life has been the stories of the saints of God. I grew up in a little bitty church, and we had this thing called a testimony service, right? And Wednesday nights and sometimes on Sunday nights, we would we'd have the testimonies, and people would say, you know, what, what has God has done? Kind of give God praise, and they would come up. And, and I grew up hearing over and over again, although it didn't look like I was paying attention because I was ADHD and going all over, but I was hearing what they were saying. And I remember the saints that talked about how the difficult circumstances in their life and how God had come through. I love the song we sang. In all my life, God has been faithful. Amen? The greatest of faithfulness was the one we talked before, the faithfulness of God. And I recognized that they had something going on in their life that I didn't have in my life and that I wanted and, and that, I, that I needed in, in my life. Especially some of the older ladies, a number of older widows in the church. And, and, and they would talk about how God had come through again and again and again when they didn't have the resources or their health was bad or all of those sorts of things. It's powerful. Don't put your trust in people, but listen to the stories of people who've walked with God a long time. It'll encourage your heart and give you joy. But another part of the problem is kind of built into our language and honestly into our, our Bible. The English word hope 
is tentative, isn't it? Uncertain, hesitant, unsure, provisional, you know? So when I say things like, I hope the Seahawks win, you all know, you should be laughing right there because they've been losing like crazy. They've been finding new ways to lose all the time, right? You know that I am like hoping against the reality that they're actually going to win, you know? Hope they go to the playoffs. That's not happening. But, you know, maybe by some miracle they'll come through and, and it'll all be great. Here's the deal. That English word is, is like that. It just means, well, maybe, maybe not, probably not, but maybe it'll come through in some sort of way. So in the original languages of the Bible, the Greek word is elpis. Say elpis. And the Hebrew word is kava. Say kava. Chavach. If you didn't get the person's head in front of you wet, you didn't say that quite right. Chava. Okay. Um, so in uh, hope, th- those are the words that get translated as, as hope generally uh, in, in, the, um, in the Bible. And, and so the difference is with these is instead of being about being tentative, these words are actually about expectation, anticipation, confidence in what is going to happen. In fact, the Hebrew word is particularly strong. The root word is the idea of to bind together, right? And and so when I think of binding together and and other passages that talk about strong ropes and and all of those sorts of things, I grew up in Grace Harbor and they have all kinds of ships came on there. And so I saw the longshoremen with their big ropes that they would tie up the boats. So I want to show you one like this. See that rope, how big that is? The ones in Grace Harbor were much dirtier than this. This is the Navy, I think, so they keep it nice and clean. Um, And and I think about that. Can you imagine if someone tied you up with that and bound you to someone with that? Any of you think you're getting out of that? No, no. Even if you had a sharp knife, it'd take you a while to cut through all of that and all of that. And so so chava is this idea of of being tied together, tied together with God, with the one that, 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 that is for you and that is the provider. So imagine whenever you see the word hope in Scripture, you are tied to God. He's the one that's going to give you your hope. You couldn't get away from God if you wanted to. That's actually really good news, okay? Because <laughs> some of us mess up, right? And we think, and, and you can't get, God is with you in, in the midst of, of all of that. And so, um, kind of illustrate the difference. When we use the word hope, we wouldn't use it to talk about the sun coming up, right? Because the sun always comes up. But the, the chava, you could say, I hope, a chava, that the sun will come up in the morning. And you all kind of, well, that's kind of silly. But let me tell you, when I was a kid, um, me and my friends used to like to go hiking out in the woods, and, and when we got old enough, our parents would let us set up tents and spend the night out, out there. It was a different kind of time. Uh, and I remember one time we, we went out, the three of us, my three friends, and, and we set up our tents and, and all of that, and we hadn't checked the weather forecast, and it started to rain. And I, it was a Grays Harbor rain, okay? Grays Harbor rain is different from all other rain. It's like heavier and more of it. And it's just like, you know, and water is running through our tents, right? So we can't really sleep very well and all of that. What we didn't know was that the two older brothers had decided that they were going to scare their younger brothers. So they had followed us and we were kind of next to this hill and they had gone up on that hill and after it was completely dark and the rain and all, they started throwing pebbles down that would hit our tent. What was that? What was that? What was that? And then they'd start rattling bushes and doing all that thing. I tell you, we cover the sunrise. <laughs> Please let the sun come up. I don't think we got any sleep during that time. But hope would come with the sunrise. 
because then we would see who was doing it, and there were three of us and two of them, and they're going to have to run, <laughs> you know? Kava, hope. So, biblically, hope is about anticipation, not uncertainty. It's about what God is going to do. So last week, uh, my family, I wasn't here last Sunday because I took the week off because my family came in for Thanksgiving. Uh, my two children and, and their spouses and the grandkids, we had a house that was full and fun and loud. Yeah, it was, it was great. And then when they all left, it's like, ah, oh, I love grandkids, but they are a lot of work, <laughs> you know. But I, I remember uh, as we were waiting for them to come in, I remember saying, you know, I, I, I hope they get here soon. It wasn't that I doubted that they were coming because I knew they were coming, but I was anticipating. I was anxious for it to happen. I was anxious for the hugs and the joy and all that, that goes with that. I anticipated all, all of that. I, can't, I hope they get here soon. That's what's being talked about in this passage of hope. And so I know I kind of do this part every year, but I really want you to get this because it is so easy when we read hope in the Bible to think, well, maybe, maybe not, that kind of a thing. It's so much more uh, than, than all of that. But here's the truth. Everybody puts their hope in something, amen? Everybody does. The question is, what are you putting your hope in? And that's my question for you this morning. What are you putting your, your hope in? Is it in your bank account? Nothing wrong with having money in your bank account. In fact, I, I think you should have cash reserves and you should save for things and all, I'm all about frugality and all of that. But at the end of the day, all it takes is a downturn in the economy and the loss of a job and all of a sudden it's gone, right? You're putting your hope in people. I really hope you're not putting your hope in your pastor because I've said to you before, I am imperfect, I am flawed, I'm ADHD, which means I miss things and I get in the wrong, and, and, and I, I, I hope that, that when I tell you about my life, that's encouraging to you. I hope that the sermons help you to grow, but if you are putting your hope in me, you will be disappointed. Somebody say amen. Okay? No matter who you put your hope in, you, you will do that. And, and it's, it's just a, a part of it that, that happens to us. And there's, there's this thing that happens when we put our hope in the wrong thing. It's called fear, right? When you put your hope in money and in the stock market, you see the stock market go, mm, what happens? <laughs> you know? When someone lets you down, it's fear. When those sorts of things go on, we, we get afraid. I think of that as the check engine light. Any of you ever seen the check engine light on your car? Yeah. I would ask if any of you ignored it, but maybe we won't talk about that. Okay? So I think of fear as the check engine light. It says, I've put my trust in the wrong thing somewhere around here, and so now, now I'm afraid, and I've made a decision that's going to get me in trouble. And so when I experience fear, I always kind of, it's the check engine light. Oh, wait, what am I doing? What's, what's going on in here? Because, you see, fear is not from God. This is just not what God has for us. Fear says, hey, pay attention, there's something going on. And, and just a little bit of a side note here. Historically, false teachers use fear to motivate people. And so I'm telling you, if you get around somebody and they're trying to motivate you for, through fear, they're trying to scare you, man, that should set off your red lights going, check engine, check engine, check engine, because that's not the way God works. In fact, God says that perfect love casts out fear. Who is perfect love? Jesus, God, is, is perfect, perfect love. So, here's the hard part. Hope is not believing God will give me what I want, but will give me what is best. Let's say this together. 
Hope is not believing God will give me what I want, but will give me what is best in my life. And, and um, this is where I'm going to just kind of get a little personal here. Um, the reality is this time of year is very hard for a lot of people. Um, depression spikes. People make appointments with me spikes. A psychologist, all, all, of, all of that. Because there's just all kinds of things associated with this. Uh, there's family things and family disagreements. And I, I wish every family had a perfect family, you know. Uh, I don't have a perfect family, and I doubt that you have a perfect family. But some people have families that just getting together for holidays is going to just be a blow up and, and, and all of those sorts of things and, and depression. And I, I just want to tell you, there is hope. God, God wants to work in your life. God wants to give you hope in the deepest, darkest parts of that. It may not look exactly like you think it should look. It will take longer than you think it should take. Has anybody noticed that God does not seem to be on a clock? I mean, it's like... But he will do in your life what is best if you'll follow him. If you'll put your trust in him and live the way he would have you to live. Because ultimately... Hope is trusting God's will, God's way. Hope is trusting God's will, God's way. This is a short way to say it. Let's say it together. Hope is trusting God's will, God's way. The the belief that God has got this. I mean, it doesn't mean it's all going to be the way you want, but that God is at work in that. In fact, one of the things I I love about Christmas, one of the, the names for God that we talk about is Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us cords tied around us that no matter what you're going through no matter how deep the darkness is god is with you amen i love the the 23rd psalm yea though i pass through the get this the valley of the shadow of death what's the rest of it yep yes fear no evil fear no evil for you are with me and so i want to say to you trust god Trust God. Let him have control. Let him guide your life. And, and I don't know where you're at in your journey and you're all in different places, but I want to encourage you to trust God. Amen? Ran across a, um, another version of Isaiah 40, 31. Uh, you, most of you know that. And it often says, but those who wait on the Lord. But this one changed the word. And so I want us to say this together. I love this. Uh, uh, the message of Jesus uh, is, is Jesus offers real hope. Amen? Okay, so here it is, Isaiah 51. Let's say this together. Those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be afraid. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Trust Jesus in all of this. We want to um, conclude today with the end of the story. We start with the beginning of the story, the coming of Christ. The end of the story is his, his death and, and resurrection and, and ascension into heaven. And, and the symbol we have for all of that is the Lord's table. Amen? And so if those who are going to help us would come and prepare, I am going to uh, read a kind of a longer version of, of the communion rite because I've just, now well, the Lord spoke to me. I heard it and I, I need to do it. So This will be a little bit longer, uh, but listen, because there's some really good stuff. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament which proclaims his life, 
his suffering, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until he returns. The supper is a means of grace by which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and made one by the Spirit. In unity as the church, we confess our faith. In, say this with me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray. We gather at this year table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ who by your Spirit has anointed to preach the good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant of forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the, resurrection of, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the blood and body of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray the prayer he taught his disciples. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. I invite all who would come to the table of the Lord. There is room for you at his table. Hey church family, thank you so much for watching this video. We hope that God is inspiring you and working in your life. If so, make sure you send this video to a friend so that they can be impacted by the good news of the gospel as well. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single video. And as always, we hope that God is continuing to work and move in your life. Thanks again for watching. God bless.